Welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tiffer and Kim. And today we're going to be talking about Israel and Hamas or Palestine or that area in general. Yeah, they've got a lot of things going on with this new war that has broken out over the last few weeks. And we want to learn the history behind it to try to maybe better understand the why this kind of stuff is happening. That was our attempt when we came in. And I'm not sure... Where I got to, the it's a long history. It's a long history. It goes all the way back to the Bible. The reason why there is conflict is all, goes all the way back to Abraham. So Abraham's married to Sariah. And at the time, their names are different. They changed their names later from Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sariah. So they're not quite yet Abraham and Sariah. Well, Sar- Sariah can't have kids. So she offers her handmaiden, Hagar, to be a, another wife to Abraham. Abraham does have a child named Ishmael with Hagar. Well, then Sariah gets kind of sad and upset and kicks out Hagar. And Hagar, um, there's, it's really interesting because what I heard is she doesn't come back. She's just kind of off on her own but then there is a reference in the bible where he's like go back go back and be nice to Sariah and I think she does so I know that I'm a little iffy on all of these details read the bible if you want to get the (laughs) the full story study it hard but there is this story common in Christianity where Abraham takes Isaac his second son with Sariah and goes up to sacrifice him because he's told to, and then an angel stops him from sacrificing Isaac. Well, Ishmael is thought to have been that one for the Muslim group, and uh, Hagar is Egyptian. So from what I understand in my limited knowledge, that the Muslims come from this line, from the line of Ishmael through Hagar from Abraham. And... Everybody else in the Israel group comes through the line of Isaac. So there's instantly a division between the groups as to who really had the birthright, who really had the priesthood, who really is the right one, and it goes all the way back to the Bible. Yeah, and it's interesting too because then you get the the concept of this state of Israel kind of originates in the Bible. The Bible, but I have more information about that. Okay. So back in 1300 BCE, you have Moses, right? So you have the coat of many colors, Joseph, who goes and gets sold into Egypt, and his family then comes down into Egypt. And then they have a bunch of kids, right? And they become the Israelites inside Egypt. Well, then here comes Moses many, many, many years later, and he is supposed to free the Israelites. So he takes them out of Egypt, and they walk around in the wilderness for a very long time, and then he leads them into where Israel is right now, over the River Jordan, so around through Saudi Arabia and in from the backside into Israel. So then in 1000 BCE, you start the kingdom of David. And the kingdom of David is in the line of Judah. And Judah is where the Jews come from. So he's a tribe of Israel. And you have 
David is in that tribe. But you have at the time, there's a division in the land. So you have, actually, it's not even divided yet. So we'll just keep going. Well, I was going to say, there's always division <laughs> in the land. But you have like the Babylonians. and the... Not yet. Not for 500 more years. But under the kingdom of David, they build their first temple. And then in 722, the Assyrians come in, wipe out the area, and then the Jews eventually come back. And then in 586, the Babylonians come in and wipe out the area. But then in 515, they kick the Babylonians out and the Israelite people or the people who are in Israel, Jews, because it's split. There's there's a kingdom of David down at the bottom, and then there's the kingdom of Israel on top. And of course, I don't know the nuances behind those two things, but they're split into Israel into those two sections. So in, now we're going to jump all the way to 63 BCE, and the Romans take over, and they are who is in charge when Christ is born. So they're the ones who are doing the taxation, and that's why Christ has to go his mom has to go to Jerusalem and I mean, uh, Bethlehem. And at that time, Judea, which is named after Judah, becomes a vassal state. And it becomes an area that kind of remains in the same type of view for all of the surrounding areas for up until, I mean, for like 1400, 1500, 1700 more years. So, in 70 CE, so after Christ is born, there's a revolt of the Romans and Jerusalem's destroyed. The second temple that they built, which I forgot to talk about, is destroyed. And in 130 AD or CE, whichever you prefer, there's a revolt of the Jews. And so the Romans get mad and they name the area Palestine because Palestine means intruder. And so they're being snarky to the Jews who have just revolted. So you want to know who invented Palestine? The Romans. The Romans. And they named it just to be snarky to the Jews. <laughs> so in 636, the Arabian people, Arabian people take over the land. In uh, 1099 to 1291, it's the Crusades. There's a lot of Christian versus Muslim fighting that's going on at the time. But in that area of Israel in 1291, the Muslims win the Crusades in that area and they get under what is called the Mamluk rule. So they're being ruled by Muslims and for hundreds of years. In 1517, the Ottoman Empire takes over and the reason why it's kind of confusing here is nobody really sets up a, a system of rule in this country. This is kind of like a fringe area for other places. So you have large cities like Jerusalem, but you don't really have a, a centralized anything here. This is outskirts. This is on the edge. It's very, very lightly populated area. It's just kind of not really thought of as much for a lot of people it's not necessarily prime real estate either no it's it's kind of desert but all of the arabian peninsula is desert and but it's true it's not really a valued piece of land to anybody except for for religious reasons so people aren't 
you know, getting a lot of crops or any kind of minerals or anything out of the area. It's just kind of on the offskirts. But in 1882, you have the first Aaliyah is, it could be Aaliyah. I don't know how you say it. I'm so sorry. Remember, I'm oblivion <laughs> or oblivion. <laughs> and it that just means immigration to Israel. So people in Europe, remember, Russia's filled with Jews. The European area, especially uh, Eastern Europe, has a lot of Jews in it. Not like tons and tons and tons, but a lot, right? So they start immigrating to Israel. And then in 1897, you officially have what is called the Zionist movement. And that is when, if you read this, the scriptures and you're a believer of the scriptures, it says the Jews will be dispersed and then they will come back. So they're like, hey, these Zionists are like, we're coming back. It's it's time to come back. So in 1917, there was something called the Balfour Declaration. And this is because after World War One. So World War One is actually still going on. But yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. But this declaration happens. So even before that, there was an agreement between the British and uh, the Arabs in that area where they said, hey, because World War One is going on and the Ottoman Empire is teamed up with Germany yeah, and, they were on the, the bad guy and, side. and Italy. And, and so uh, England essentially goes to the Arabs and says, hey, if you will rise up against this, uh, you can make your own country out here. You'll be able to have your own Arab country. And they give some areas like, but not Syria. And then they mentioned like uh, another area. It essentially was Jordan and Israel, present day Jordan and present day Israel, Palestine. So those were approximately the area they were willing to offer. Yeah. So then they kind of offer that and the Arabs do revolt against the Ottoman, you know, empire and help out, you know, in the war effort or whatever. And then, like you said, in 1917, England also makes that declaration to the Zionists and say, mm-hmm. we're like going to let you state. have your own Jewish state. So there is a really interesting thing that does happen here because they split Jordan and Israel around this time. And Jordan is supposed to be for the Muslims and Israel is supposed to be for the Jews. Yeah. So after World War One. Britain, Britain comes takes in over. and they're, they're like, okay, we'll help manage yeah, you know, this. The and so they present. try and set up some of this mm-hmm. stuff. And because so, there's, there's constant fighting. Yeah. And, and this was interesting to me too, because if you look through, there's always constant fighting. There might be a few years where there's not a ton, but there's a lot, a lot of fighting where people just run in places and start shooting people for, for whatever reason. And it's been going on like this. For a long time. But then in 1929, you have a set of riots that happen. And in 1937, there's a division with Palestine and Israel. And the British have have a little swab of land in the middle. So you've got the Palestinians in one section, the Jewish people in another section. And then there's this little red line in between the two of them where, I mean, there's a little bit of overlap, but they're kind of right in the middle, that is the British control. And so they're trying to stop them from fighting because they won't stop 
fighting. So they have this. <laughs> and then they start getting, the British people are getting annoyed because they are constantly having to deal with these people throwing these ridiculous tantrums. But we're also heading into World War II at this point. Yeah, so in the 30s, in in like Germany, and, and probably not just really Germany, but there starts to be discrimination against the Jews, and a lot yeah. more Jews start heading down into, you know, that Israeli area. Yeah. So there's and so the British people set a limit and say only yeah. 75,000, I mean, a year, because there's millions who want to come, but the Arab people are getting really mad. The Arab people are mad that they're letting in any. The yes. Jewish people are mad that there's Not a cap. enough, yeah. And so the Palestinian leader at that time, goes to Hitler and says, hey, if you come in here, I'll let you take all these Jews. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, that makes the Jewish people furious because not only are they trying to leave him, the Hitler area, but here's their fellow slash quote quotes countrymen saying, come take these ones, get rid of these ones for us. And they did actually come around through Egypt, um, but they never quite made it up into that area to cleanse Israel from the Jews. It was uh, (laughs) just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Well, and it only gets worse. So after World War II, first thing, you know, United Nations gets formed and Great Britain is like, uh, you can have this area. We don't want this area anymore so mm-hmm. you guys have control and the united nations it was a nightmare yeah, it was a nightmare they they i think they were very excited to get out they mm-hmm. hand it to the united nations the united nations says all right we're gonna make two states a state mm-hmm. of you know palestine and a state of israel and they make israel tiny and they make israel tiny but the other thing that happens and and it's kind of the same way now is the borders are all They're goofy so- Daddy Wampus. Yeah, so, and, and you kind of have that now. You got with, like the Gaza Strip and you got the West Bank. Which I and can you got, explain the Gaza Strip, but it's true. But but that area that is mm-hmm. now the Gaza Strip was part of the Palestine area. And then there was, Jerusalem was supposed to be international, but it was actually encased in what would now be kind of like the West Bank, but it was all encased in Palestine. And yes. the, those were the borders. But the other thing that happened is there, the United Nations says, okay, effective, you know, May 1948, Israel will be its own Well, that is because country. when they made the original divisions and they have these tiny little pepperoni spots of Israel inside of a large Palestine, the Arab people were mad. And so they started attacking people for a year because they wanted the whole thing. So because they had to share it all, they were really mad. And that's why they said in May 14th that they were going to take away everybody else and Israel is going to become an independent state. And they were going to have the larger portion of the land because the Arab people had been fighting for that whole year. And they're like, okay, fine. They get to have all their pieces connect because originally they were pepperonis. And they're like, they get to have all their pieces connect and you can be separated. (laughs) But the Gaza Strip had almost no one in it. At that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, which is the Gaza Strip starts to become a thing right around now because in it, immediately after, all right, this is the state of Israel, 
five countries come in to attack Israel. And their sole purpose, and this is right after World War II, where everyone's mad at Hitler for trying to exterminate the Jews. All of these countries tried to come and exterminate the Jews. Yeah, so you have uh, Palestine, then Egypt and Iraq and Syria and Lebanon all kind of joined together. And, and keep in mind that Israel at this time is brand new. They only have, you know, a level of like hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. It, this isn't modern day Israel. This is a brand new. This is 1948. 1948. And so, you know, the, this much bigger force of these, you know, Arab or Muslim countries comes in at Israel. And Israel holds them off. Oh, and, yeah. And so that's when like 700,000 Palestinians, you know, flee and a lot of them go towards what is now the, West what is Bank. now the Gaza Strip and the Gaza Strip. And the West Bank already existed, but the, they have majority um, population there. So yes. a lot of them went there. Mm-hmm. They refer to it as the Nakba, like catastrophe is yeah. what that means. Is that's what, to them, that's a very tragic event is they had to flee and yes. go, you know, leave their homes. Which, understandably, is a disastrous event. However, it was one that could have been prevented by other decisions. You'll find that I'm quite biased. I didn't mean to, but I kind of am. But uh, uh, in 1964, do you have something you do? Well, there's so there's before. just, the, the if you go look, there's a series of Arab-Israeli wars. Yes. And so in 1948 was, I mean, that's when Israel was founded and there was immediately one. There was another one in 1956, uh, the Suez Canal Crisis. Uh, that one wasn't that big, like in terms of like deaths or anything like that. But the other thing that's happening at the same time is that uh, Egypt blocks, uh, it's called the Strait of Tehran, and it comes up from the Gulf of, uh, what's that? The Sinai Peninsula. It comes up the Sinai Peninsula and actually goes up and touches into Israel. So not on the Mediterranean side, but on the, uh, what is that, Gulf of Arabia. On on that Gulf side, so on the southern side. Suez. Well, the Suez Canal, but then there's a bigger Gulf. Isn't it? But the, no. Oh, Aquaba. That's not what I'm thinking of. But anyway, it goes up and touches to Israel (laughs) and Egypt has blocked it off. So they get a lot of, they were getting a lot of supplies that come in through there. And now that's completely blocked off by Egypt. So in 1956, it was the Israelis who kind of start the attack. They're saying, all right, they're blocking our, you know, straight here. They're not letting ships come in. So we're going to attack them. Which I have to say. This is the first time that I have any record of the Israel, Israel people starting a conflict. And, and up until this, you conflict. can also make the argument that what they're doing is they're only doing it because somebody blocked off what should be an open, right. an open route, an open mm-hmm. sea lane to for them to get supplies. And at at the time, I think they were saying like 90% of the oil that would come into Israel was being shipped in through there, and then that stuff gets blocked off, and so then it takes a lot longer for them to get 
any level Aquaba. of supplies. Aquaba is where they get their shipments from the, the south. And so that you have that conflict, uh, but there were a number of others. But in 1964, you were saying? Oh, yes. Here is the gigantic happenings of 1964. Oh, I'm sorry. That actually, the gigantic happenings is in 1967. Yeah, the so big 1967 thing that is the third Arab-Israeli war. Is there we get the organization of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. And this is kind of where Palestinians begin to not become Arabians, but become Palestinians. And this is considered a terrorist organization at the time because its whole purpose is to call for the destruction of Israel. They, they have, they want their land, just like they were not happy when there were pepperoni pieces. They're definitely not happy that they're kind of the pepperoni pieces now. And this leads up through their anger to the 1967 war. And this is kind of an astonishing war called the Six Day War. Yeah, so... This one is another one I think that started kind of around that Straits of Tehran as Egypt says, yeah, oh. we're going to close this off. And Israel says, if you do, that's, you know, an act of war. So then Egypt closes it off. Well, then Israel goes and bombs Egypt and they go after their airfields and essentially knock out their air force. And so now Israel has a, a pretty big advantage and they send their troops in to Sinai to the south that uh, is owned by Israel, or, or sorry, Egypt. Mm-hmm. They send their troops in there. They also get attacked from the north by Syria, and they send troops north as well. So they essentially just kind of Beat the crap dominate. out of everybody in six days. And they go there almost to the capital the of Syria. Israel that is not fighting them. They almost go, they, they start moving towards the capital of Egypt. They're like 60 miles outside of Cairo when a peace deal is brokered, a ceasefire. And one of the things that happens then is Israel takes control of the Sinai Peninsula. Yes, and this is why the Gaza Strip, this is important to know why the Gaza Strip is the weird shape that it is now, is because at the time when they're forming this Gaza like they started moving people to that section they have routes out through the Sinai Peninsula and then the Sinai Peninsula gets kind of control over by Israel. Israel's in charge of the Sinai Peninsula. And Egypt was keeping that after the 1948 war when kind of that Gaza Strip starts becoming a thing a lot of refugees start going into that like Gaza Strip. Egypt sends forces in there and basically holds it militarily they don't and they nobody their, wanted them yeah and to become refugees they they don't want them uh, which by the way is happening again it is happening today. again they don't want the refugees nope. they kind of but they hold the territory so that israel can't just push them all you know all out and take the territory so israel or egypt was having troops stationed in gaza until this time when 1967 and so then israel goes in and stations their troops in sinai and hold that position they also take a section called the golan heights up by syria so in the north so they take the sinai peninsula in the south and they take this small section called the golan heights up in the north 
which previously had been kind of owned by Syria, and they just kind of like this is this is ours now. You know, we're gonna station here because you guys keep attacking us, so we're gonna you know have this buffer for our troops, and they end up holding that land for quite a while. So for the Sinai Peninsula, I think they hold it until essentially till Egypt recognizes Israel as a state, which they hadn't done yet, but once they uh, did that, which I uh, can't remember what year it was, oh, 1979. Okay. So and 1979, Egypt recognizes Israel as a state, and then Israel backs their troops out of Sinai. And, the, and that is one of the other reasons why the Gaza Strip has such a weird shape, is because it's just cut off and then like you said Egypt does not want a connection to that so if you look on Google Maps you can see there are not roads that interchange there it is a there's, definite division with like a there is a pass way. there's mm-hmm. one pass that goes from Gaza strip into Egypt and it, it's open 5 days a week during the day and is guarded all the time mm-hmm. and you you know, have to go through and get checked and do whatever. And right and, now in the conflict, they're allowing supplies and shipments to go in, but they are only allowing people with non-Israel passports. So if you're like an American citizen and you're stuck there, then you can come out. But anyone else has to stay inside Gaza, which is terrifying due to the fact that they have no water and no electricity and no food. But they are letting in supply trucks, so hopefully that will be less of a thing. But go on. And this history of conflicts just keeps going. In 1973, there's the Yom Kippur War, so this is like the fourth Arab-Israeli, you know, conflict. And this is the one where they say it kind of resembles what has happened recently. Yeah, so the timing-wise, so Yom Kippur is a Jewish holiday. I think it's supposed to be like one of their most holy days, Mm -hmm. and... In 1973, on Yom Kippur, Egypt and Syria kind of coordinated attacks and went into Israel and started... Egypt? I had not realized it was Egypt. Yeah, it, it, it was oh, Egypt. Uh, Egypt. You and, I, I mean, Egypt's going into Sinai. So so you could kind of argue that it's not necessarily... Uh, although I think they might have gone into Gaza as well, but they they start going into Sinai and attacking and it's just kind of a, a sneak attack although the weird thing is like Israel knew that it was coming and people were like well why didn't you do something about it and they said well we can't attack first because if we attack first um the the US has said we will get no aid we will they'll send nothing so they just had to wait until they got attacked they weren't allowed to do any sort of preemptive attack which they had done in the past, that's what they did in the 1967 mm-hmm. Six-Day War, was they did the preemptive attack. In this one, they were told, you'll get nothing if you do that. So they just waited till they got attacked. And then that was a, another one of those, it it didn't go, you know, as planned. The retribution came back, and but it was just... But it was still Israel who won. It was still Israel mm-hmm. who won. This is all happening during the Cold War. So people have nuclear weapons now. People are like, I'm going to use my nuclear weapons on you. And other people are like, I'm going to team up with other people and use nuclear weapons on you. (laughs) And it was just 
It was just ridiculous because at the time you're having a lot of conflict between the United States and the Soviet Union. And the United States, I mean, the Soviet Union, I, there's not a logic, there's not a lot of logic in maybe any government system, but there's also not a lot of logic in the Soviet Union. And, um, and so it was, it was causing an amplification of the issues already happening in the United States and Russia. And Russia was like, yeah. yeah and the Soviets are that. on the side, you know, Egypt and Syria and the Which U.S. is, is supplying Israel. Because, oh, I have so much to say about this. And we probably won't even have time. So I'll just do one blip where in World War II, Russia lost millions of people. Yeah. They had a lot of Jewish people. They lost, they lost them for so many different reasons, one of which was they had a large Jewish population. And even when they went into the Ukraine, the Ukraine, and when they went into Ukraine and they're like, there are Nazis there, we've got to clear it out. And then they're like, oh, wait, what do I do here? Because uh, there's people trying to kill the Jews in Israel, but all of my friends are on that side. <laughs> Like, this is going to be a mess for that whole trying, like, group that's trying to gather together and to become the new world order. And I'm like, this is weird how big this is impacting that. Because China doesn't care. China's like, I don't give a crap about either of those religions. (laughs) Yeah. And and honestly, I think there's a lot of that, even with USSR, is it's not a religious thing. It's a strategic thing. What they're doing is more of a strategic thing. And so... In this Yom Kippur war, war uh, the USSR is essentially supplying Egypt and Syria, and the U.S. is supplying Israel, and uh, Israel ends up winning, you know, pretty yep. soundly. And when some of this is happening, like in the 1967 when some of the borders inside the Israel-Palestine area start changing, yeah. and Israel takes some more, you know, territory, essentially. Because I think at the time before this, and I could be wrong. I think Jerusalem was completely inside the West yes. Bank. And now there is a carve out point where Israel has part of Jerusalem. They they hold some of the East Jerusalem and West. is now West Jerusalem is Israel. That's right. And but what's really interesting is all of their holy sites are in the West Bank. So when they have uh their Temple Mount where they now have the Dome of the Rock for the Muslims. That's that's in the West Bank. That's that's there's only a little section that Israel has and they have access to, I believe, the the Western Wall. I think the Western Wall is inside their section, but I even could be wrong about that. It's just I need it. I need to do more research, but it's not a big chunk. But there was no chunk before, so they're happy with it. Yeah. And so then there continues to be a few more conflicts. Lebanon is right just to the north. They end up with an organization called Hezbollah. and Yes, which it, is part of the conflict right now. And they, do, they attack um, Israel a couple times. And so, yeah, it turns into this big thing where Israel now has like this buffer zone that they built up in the north so that in case people come down from Lebanon, they don't want their cities right next to the border because they're afraid they'll die so they start this buffer where i think they had like 500,000 people that had to move 
away from that, you know, border so that they were kind of safe. But then what kind of starts happening is you have this, you know, area, Palestine and Israel, which when the UN was doing their thing was supposed to be kind of a two-state system. Yes. Is you'll each have your own, you know, state. But guess who forgot to make a state? The pa- Palestinians. Yeah. They, they don't they really have a, an organization. They don't have an organization. They don't have a real... And they make they one... They kind of have a, a weird... <laughs> in, in the Mutant 90s, government. they make um, one. So kind of one of the history things of, the, of places like, say, the Gaza Strip is you had, you know, Egypt who was holding, you know, control for a while. And then Israel came in. And then I think, you know, there were, there were some more... Fight. Well, Israel doesn't necessarily want to hold it. So they said, all right, we're, we're going to give you control. And they keep giving them control of places and because they don't want to be in charge. In the 90s, I think they the gave issue. it to a, some, the Palestinian Authority or something. Right, because they've had the first Palestinian Infantata in 1987. And that's a six years of just people shooting at each other. They call it an Infantata. Intifada. Intifada. Thank you. But... I'm like, it's really just, in my mind, you should just call it a squabble. Constant squabble. Squabble doesn't even sound right, but yeah, it's... But it's better that... That's probably why I keep saying infant. Because I'm like, this is They have insane. this infantile why squabble. Why do you keep doing this? Because from my perspective and my, you know, not being there, I'm sure I would definitely pick a side if I was there. But I'm like, knock it off. You have this potential to create something for yourself. Do that. Figure something out, but they can't. And the truth is, in the Gaza Strip, not a lot of resources. There's not. There's not a lot that they can do, but they also haven't really tried to do anything except for get aid from outside sources and then try to smuggle in weapons. <laughs> like, and, and, other than that, they're not trying to do anything else. It's really interesting because... From our perspective. It's not this huge area. They say it's like twice the size of like Washington, D.C., this whole Gaza Strip. Yeah. There's a big city called like Gaza City, and then there's a bunch of, you know, towns or suburbs or whatever that go out. They have like these camps. They call them camps. Well, they have refugee camps. Refugee camps. And And I think you guys have been a country for this long way. You're not taking refugees. You're considering them refugees from before. I think it's just because they don't have a place to put them. And so that's where they go. But they're full on like apartment buildings. Like it's just, I don't know. But maybe you need a certain number of refugee camps before you get aid. Before you get aid. Yeah, we got a refugee (laughs) camp here. We got 18 refugee camps, Iran. Give us some money. But 1993 was kind of interesting because I think that was when. Israel put up the a first fence around the Gaza Strip. Well, and, we and had, it wasn't that great of a fence because it ended up getting torn down, and then they built another, and then it had they've been constantly upgrading it since '93 or whatever. Well, but yeah, but that's also because they had that infantata that where they came in and they're coming in from the west. I mean, from the Gaza Strip and shooting people in Israel. So then they're like, "Hey, you're not allowed to come over here." And there were a lot a of like suicide bombings, and if you go look you up the suicide that? bombings, I they, remember they end watching up that on the news. Starting to drop off at a certain period of time. Yeah, because they because built they built more the wall, walls. and they basically don't let people come through. But what happens mm-hmm. is you build this wall, and then the rest of the world looks at it and goes, "How bad of you! Look at, to not you know, let them come in and blow up their people in your cities." And, 
and it, if you look at it, it does kind of look oh, yeah. bad. Cause it is bad. The, the comparison is essentially the same thing. If you go back into World War II and the, the Germans are like, we're going to build these concentration camps and put all the Jews in these concentration camps. And then you go to Israel and they're like, well, we're going to put all these Palestines, put them you know, in this one area and fence them in. The best thing they could have done is separated that group and, I mean, plucked them up and put them in the West Bank long ago before the population was in the millions to say it doesn't work to have what is supposed to be one government in these two split sections. It's possible. You could have done it, but they couldn't do it because how do you access this point? You have to either go through Lebanon or pass through uh, Israel, which, I mean, if you would have, well, the kept, only way you out have blown of, up your people, they'd have let you through. The only way out of Gaza is to go through Israel or to go through Egypt. Or to go through the ocean. Or to go through the ocean. But even the ocean, vessels. The, <laughs> they're allowed, like, I think six miles out into the ocean for fishing. But after that, they're not allowed out. By anymore. Israel? By Israel. Oh. Israel keeps them in because what's happening they is they're getting shipments of weapons that come in. And, and so here is, and I know we're skipping some stuff and I'm sorry, but here is where I have the hardest time because I know that the Palestinian Gaza Strip area does look indeed like a prison camp. I know that they are kind of sectioned into their grottos and it's terrible and they don't have resources, and all of their power and all of their water is controlled by Israel because Israel has those facilities. Gaza doesn't. So instead of making their own because they have no resources, Israel then gives it to them. And then when they blow up Israel, Israel stops giving it to them. And I think Palestinian Gaza strippies. There is a lot to that, I... and then it gets into... Yeah, you need to learn diplomacy. If you learn diplomacy, you will find yourself in a better position. But they're, of course, really offended that they're in these conditions. But then the mom in me is like, hey, nerd, you're the one that put yourself there. And I, you can't call anybody a nerd. They'll come and attack me. <laughs> but I'm, I am frustrated because I feel like my official position in this moment is stop being mean and you will get a lot more of the things that you want. And, and it's a tough thing because it goes back to the same sort of problem that always exists in these levels of conflict is there's a bunch of them that aren't being mean. That's so true. You have this group that formed called Hamas and it formed in like 1987. Yeah. And it didn't really take control until it took control of the Gaza Strip in like 2005. Because it's essentially... A terrorist organization slash political group. Yeah. So it started out basically as this group that essentially they, they, they got a charter. You can go read their charter. And their charter is, I, I went and read it. It was kind of interesting to read. If you break it down into what I think it really says, it basically says um, there will be no peace until the Muslims are in charge. You know, we'll do everything we can to, you know, keep fighting until we're in charge. And when we're in charge, there, there will be peace. But part of their peace thing is essentially the Muslims, this will be a Muslim nation. We will allow Christians, and they even say, like, we'll allow Jews to live. They just can't have their own place. And you have to show deference to Muslims and pay an additional tax. And so it's not 
necessarily, you know, the the sort of thing that you'd be rooting for to happen anyway. But their big thing is there's nothing, there's no level of bad that you can do enough to reach this end goal. The end goal is to take power. And so I do kind of wonder what what it's like to have your mindset from both sides to just always be in this, but I'm, we're going to dominate. Because right now, both of them are exactly the same in my mind of being like, no, this is our land. No, this is our land. No, we're going to win. because we Yeah, it says in our holy text that this land is ours. It says in our holy text this land is ours. And I think to myself, back to the Bible, I'm like, you guys are brothers. Like, you do realize, like, it could just be both of your land. Like, <laughs> it could just be confusing in that way. But but I also, I I just, I think it's so sad because if you look back, because you have the second infantata that happens in 2000 and it runs for five years, these people don't know an entire generation without fighting. No, they don't it's know been it. ongoing for 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 you don't even know how long. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I think the fighting wasn't as bad when when it is like all you know, say under the Ottoman Empire sort of thing. Right. When there's not a mix of people, but in there, it, it's better. But I mean, even that's not true because there's, I think, always been fighting in in the Middle East. But once you start getting these you know, groups that, you know, the the Jews start coming back in their Aliyah or whatever. So in yeah. like 1880 uh, or something like mm-hmm. that, that area was like 3% Jewish. Yeah. And then what happens is they have the, you know, all the Jews that have gone out start coming back and become, you know, they, okay, we're going to have our, our Zion, we're going to reform Israel and once you get that bigger population, then the Arabs say, oh, that's not, you know, that's not acceptable. And I, I, there's just fighting. So this, the complexity that is here, I know is obviously real because it, it continues to happen. But you have some really key things that are happening in the early 2000s. You have Colin Powell, who is my favorite U.S. Secretary of State, by the way go in and he's um, trying to get everybody to come to this a peace agreement because in 20 I mean in 2002 after a large slew of suicide bombings in early 2002 they start to build the gigantic barrier that is yeah. surrounding the west so Bank. they had already built a wall but it was just kind of a smaller thing yeah, and like it got destroyed mm-hmm. it got destroyed but and so this then, wall is a big wall then they rebuild it and in this last conflict in 2023, they blew up sections of that wall to come through and invade. So there was also, at the time, even until 2005, there are Jewish people who live within Gaza, Yeah. in the Gaza Strip. And in 2005, they say, hey, Israel people get out. Now you guys have your... They pull all the military yeah. and all is uh, Jewish citizens, even... And- they give them, them their autonomy. And the say, only problem is they have too many people and not enough resources yep. to actually have a realistic autonomy. 
So they're saying, hey, we're giving you this. Hey, we're giving you this. But they're like, we can't do anything. Like you're giving us. They have something like 50% unemployment. Because oh, what? Yeah, because there's not that. You have people that can farm. They do have some farm areas. But so it's hard to farm there. It's not a nice yeah. place to farm. Uh, from what I can big. tell, that like if you go look up what it says, they do that furniture was one, and then food, and then I, I there was one other, and I forgot it. So you know we they go out, they fish, age, they farm. They need to start making YouTube channels and doing uh, books, writing books. <laughs> but but the majority of the people they have fifty percent unemployment and they're I think they say you know the average they they make about you know on average across the I don't I don't know if you call it a country that probably make people across mad if you the do strip. across the Gaza Strip it's like you know they got two point whatever million people and they average about five thousand dollars a year uh, in income and that's sad and and. There's not the the thing is is that because they have this belief, you know that that they are essentially holy fighters the, in this they war. The moral they're not going to leave. They're not going to go mm-hmm. and say we can make a better life somewhere else because well, they think. Where that, do you go? Where do you go? Two million people. It, that's a very good question because nobody West really Bank. wants. Like them. how do you when when we talk about states. And how you have an influx, and you don't. You, then you have a housing crisis. You're talking about three hundred thousand people, and you're crushing that state's housing situation. What do you do with two and a half million people? Where do you put them? Where do they go? They, how can you even have a housing for someone like that? So they they are essentially stuck. And unfortunately, this is what makes me so frustrated about this situation is because. It's a combination of people being snarky and a combination of bad circumstances. As in, as in like, um, the Jew, the Israelis were being snarky when they're, but I don't think quite as snarky as the Gazans. And then, I mean, they definitely weren't like going in and bought, like blowing themselves up. However, they would retaliate militarily. People are dying on both sides all the time and in 2006 Hamas wins a political election for the first time and it was founded in 1950 with so it says that it's a dormant faction of the Palestine Liberation Organization that was founded back then and um so, but then there was a group called the Fatah who were in charge, and Hamas beat the Fatah. And so I think, what is that like? Because I remember the Fatah were pretty intense people. That's where the, the bombings came from, the suicide bombers. So I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand it either. And the other thing that I don't, this is where I wish I did understand more, is what's the difference between, say, your average Palestinian and your Hamas you know, Palestinian, it, you know, are they yes. the same? And some of the stuff that I've seen makes me like really sad. Like everything that I've seen has to be translated and, and whatever. So I, I have no idea how, you know, biased or whatever, but you can go watch videos where they go talk to these kids that are in school and the kids in that they, you know, growing up in the Gaza Strip are taught from, you know, they're talking to these eight-year-old kids what do you want to do when you grow up 
I want to go kill the Jews. Yes. And they're, they're training them, and that's the part that, that kills me, is I totally get that there can be mm-hmm. a rogue group of you know, people who have been radicalized, but they are intentionally like radicalizing but, kids. But then we're so many decades in that who wasn't taught that by now? Like, who is alive today who wasn't taught that by their parents? Probably none. Probably all of them have gone through that because even if you go back to the 1950s and you have the Palestine Liberation Organization, if your parents were born in the 1950s and they were adults in the 1950s, they're probably not super alive today. So they've all probably been, in a sense, I'm going to use the term brainwashed, into this being where they get their pride and their power from. Yeah, and and that's what, the part that really gets me is it's hard to have this hope that something good is, you know, that there's a solution. Because you've got two groups of people that are basically, we're not backing down. We, you know. Well, and. and This is our land. and Because it's religion, and religion is such an intense way to look at your life. Like, I. How do you mesh that? Because their common ground is actually fairly large. Yeah. They actually have a lot of common ground, but they refuse to focus on the common ground. They just seem to only focus on those <laughs> those things. But when the invasion did happen in 2023, that was really hard for me to see. And it was really hard for me to see the invasion and it was hard for me to see the retaliation that happened because from my perspective, which of course is not there because you know me, I'm snarky. If I was an Israeli, I can assure you I would be a snarky Israeli. If I was a Palestinian, I can assure you I would be a snarky Palestinian. I can, I can see that that would be a difficult thing, but I just think, I don't know. I don't know how to ingest all of this stuff and make it make sense when I'm done ingesting. Like, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't for me either. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the part that gets me is, like, in my head, I, I'm thinking, okay, what's the solution? You know, like, how do you, and, and I, I just can't even think of one. And, and so my initial thought really is somebody, you know, from the United States is, let's just stay out of this. You know, like the, yeah. let's let them do whatever they're going to do and stay well, out we of didn't. it. We sent two aircraft carriers. We sent two aircraft carriers. And now carriers. a bunch of other countries are shooting at our aircraft carriers. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that I can't wrap my head around as far as, what, you know, should we send the air? If we didn't send the aircraft carriers, would those other countries just be like, okay, we'll let these guys work it out? Or would they jump in and, all right, we're going to attack Israel? What? And I'm assuming that they would probably attack Israel because I think that's our justification for sending those, you know, aircraft carriers. And we've already been using our, not an aircraft carrier, but our Navy to shoot down rockets that have been sent from other countries. Right. Because every time you send an aircraft carrier, you send other ships along with it. Yeah. And so it was those ships who shot stuff down. But one fascinating thing happened this last week that I just have to touch on. Saudi Arabia shot down a missile headed to Israel. 
And I think it was coming out of Lebanon, but I no, y- Yemen. Was it? it was Yemen. That's because right. Lebanon's to the north of. I'm, yeah. I meant Yemen. But they've never, in the history of all time, stopped any kind of attack on Israel. They shot down, and they're supposed to be. When you look at who's on what side in the upcoming wars, they are supposed to be on the China Russia non America side, and. It was just kind of like, whoa. Well, one of the weird things <laughs> is like in 2020, they signed the Abraham Accords. Mm-hmm. And and so that was, you know, one of uh, Trump's big peace in the Middle East yes. things was he got Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and two other countries. I think Egypt might have been one. I, I don't remember. I think I might have it in my notes somewhere. Uh, oh, Morocco, Sudan. But he got them all to to work with Israel and essentially sign these, you know, non-aggression, hey, you know, we're going to be friends, you know, sort of pact. And it it looked like things might start changing, you know, start becoming more normalized. In fact, some people are arguing that that's why Hamas did what it did, is that they're worried they don't want normalized relations with israel they don't want no, these other they, that, that arab states it from being yeah because a, a hazy smoke to a solid <laughs> and they can't it, fight the solid and, and, and if other people smoke. recognize that israel is a country and they are like well we're going to take it back then they're going to look like uh essentially the aggressors mm-hmm. whereas if other countries say well this has always been you know palestine and we're going to take you know, Palestine it was back for the for Arabs. A long time. It was a Muslim state, not necessarily Palestine, but also like it wasn't necessarily Israel when it was still a Jewish state. So it was for a long I yeah. mean hundreds of years. And it was a really interesting thing when I was I watched this video and it was Jordan Peterson interviewing someone. I feel like it was Netanyahu, but I don't really know who it was. I didn't see. But he said How long, you know, they were there for hundreds of years. Why, how long does it take until it is somebody's? Because if you look at the United States, you know, we had colonizers that came in and it's ours now. You know, like if we took it, it's not Native Americans. Americans, Native Americans are pepperonied throughout the country. And um, that's a big issue right now of what's the fair about that. But also going back is not. Right, really you can't go a back. Reasonable option. There's no way to go take you know 330 million people and say yeah. say you, you have, have to, to go find back to where you came place. from. Like nobody, nobody knows where they came from. Nobody you know, knows like, where they came from, and there's no room there. So, like, what do you, and that's what I kind of think in Israel, the, the same no sort of thing. You talk about like the two point, you know, seven million people mm-hmm. in Gaza. Like, where are they going to go? Well, and he, the guy who answered, said. The reason why it wasn't theirs is because they didn't set up any kind of government. Government. It was just sort of people. It wasn't like they had created a country for themselves. And if you were to use that as the basis, I would say I think Israel has set up a country for themselves. And I think the West Bank has. But the Gaza Strip, because they don't have access to almost anything because they're filled with terrorists 
organization group members who do terrible things and they've ruined those terrorist groups have ruined everything for anyone who's not one see and that's and the brain, big problem but they've also brainwashed people they, into they brainwash them. but most of the people that are in there are my guess are they fall under the we, we want to kill you know the jews category but even the ones who don't you can't what do you do you can't tell them apart no and and so at one point there weren't you know, fences around Gaza. But because there was so much violence and so Mm -hmm. many people getting killed, they they just said, hey, we... They didn't put the fences up because they hated the Gazans for being Gazans. They put them up because they hated the Gazans for blowing up Israelis. And and so even though you can argue that maybe most of the Gazans are peaceful, which I don't know if that's true or not, you still have to do something to protect people from those who aren't which was a lot of groups. Like, if you go look at the number of, like, suicide bombings, yeah, there were multiple every single year until they really got the fence in. And I remember that. And I remember growing up watching that on the news and just thinking, how could you think that that was, like, an optimal solution to your problems? Like, how could you think that just by being mean – you're winning here because it just put them so far behind. But when I watch some of the social media videos that came out during this last conflict, and there are a ton, but they are also, they put Hamas in a bad light, but it's Hamas's videos. Hamas records it and puts it up. And there are people, there's this one video that Anderson Cooper was talking about. I am like, my eyes are filled with tears because he's doing an interview with his family and this family's like, here's my son. Um, we can't find him. He was in a shelter. They threw a bomb in. He lost his hand. So then Anderson Cooper finishes the interview and then he calls the family and he's like, I think I know where your son is. He's like, I had a video just sent to me and it shows a young man who's who's got no hand, his bone is just sticking out, and they're throwing him in the back of a truck to be a prisoner. And I just, I know war is ugly. I know everyone feels so justified, but I'm watching this video, and it has the the bone blurred out for me, or else I don't think I could have watched it, because I'm just not that tough. And I'm watching them throw these injured people in the back of the truck, and they're laughing, and they're smiling, and they're videotaping it, and they're so thrilled that they are, you know, getting these hostages and when they're not fitting, they're shoving them in on top of each other and everybody's bleeding, everybody's injured and they don't care. And I think, I don't know how you get to a point where this makes you happy. I don't know. How I don't you, get it I either. Get and it. the other thing that with along the same lines is there were a lot of uh, reports that came out of things like, babies being burned alive and having their heads chopped off and people are saying oh that's it didn't happen it's just propaganda i think it doesn't even matter if that happened you know they're saying oh the israelis are lying if you look at the hamas videos there is enough there that there's no reason to make up any lies like there's already enough violence you don't need to add to the already gigantic pile of burning crap that is your story and and i just can't believe that all of a sudden those things become arguments is oh they just made up that they burned the baby well maybe but the rest of it was 
Hamas bragging and yes. saying, look at what we did. Like, oh, yeah. You can't say there, that was made up. videos where they would take someone, murder them, look at their ID, and then post it to their social media account of them being murdered on their own social media account so that all their friends and family would watch them be murdered. And I think, I don't know how you as the weak fish, you're the weak, you're the weak dog in this fight. You have no resources of your own. You know that your power and electricity all come from the person you're fighting. You know your water comes from the people that you're fighting. You know that the only people on your side are in another country and they are trying to give you stuff and they can't very easily. It's very hard to do that. So when you come in and you attack, what in the world did you think was going to happen? You're like, hey, I have these really wussy rockets. I'm going to hit you with them just to be, just to, you know, poke the bear. You poked the bear. And I'm not saying that it was lovely for you being trapped inside those walls. I'm just saying if you wanted a good outcome, you picked the stupidest way to get a good outcome. See, and, and that sounds like the truth, but here's the counter argument of what people are saying. Okay. Is that essentially... It, it's a suicide bombing run, is they know that by doing this, tons of them are going to die. But what the end goal is, is to pull in the other states, the Iran, you know, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon. and the, So once they're going to go poke the bear, get smacked in the face from the bear, and then say, look, everybody, the, the bear needs to be put down. And that is what I think the goal is. Is they know they How can't did they take think out. They were going to get that by showing those social media videos. If you no, wanted a social the way that they're doing video, that, the reason they're putting those videos on there is that's how you provoke the bear. They want uh, Gaza to get destroyed. But you have Saudi Arabia, who's like, I'm going to stop you from hurting these people because I think. But Saudi Arabia is stopping rockets, but there's still there's still this thing where Saudi- people are saying if you go into Gaza. We're going to come after you. Like Iran is saying that, and I think Saudi Arabia is even saying that. And so then there's this decision that you have to make is, do I just, you know, sit here and do nothing? Or do I go in and potentially start this bigger war? And that's what I think the question is. But what do you do you think the response that Israel is giving back, which is huge to eradicate Hamas, whom is no one? Because right. it's, it's you can't salt and really identify, you can't identify anybody. They, they anybody use... can say I'm not Hamas. You have no idea. That, mm-hmm. You know, this is guerrilla warfare. Essentially, you have mm-hmm. no idea who In you're fighting. Against. A tight city, city warfare is really hard. But they also, whatever intel they have, which is usually pretty good, but wasn't this time, says that they are hiding under hospitals and under schools. And well, they under have hundreds of miles buildings. of tunnels. This yeah. isn't even hundreds of miles of territory. Mm-hmm. They have hundreds of miles of tunnels. They have prefabricated uh, tunnel building stuff where they have these concrete sheets that they go in. Yes. So they've got these two meter, one tall, one meter wide tunnels that go. That's where they took their everywhere. hostages in. Yeah. So the hostages released are talking about those tunnels. And so everybody's saying, like, if you go in there, the you know there are people waiting in there to, you know do more damage to you if you go in. So then the talk is, well, pump gas down the tunnel, you know, whatever. But the question, do I do I agree with what they're doing? 
the sad part is yes. Like, honestly, I'm at the point where I don't know what else you do. What do you do? And what I honestly think is what the part that makes me mad is places like Iran and Saudi Arabia saying, okay, yeah, they did something bad, but you can't go and hurt. You know, if you want to take them in, if you're worried about the people, take them in. Egypt won't take them in. Nope. Saudi Arabia won't take them in. Nobody wants them because they are filled them. with brainwashed people who think that and, killing people is is holy. And, and, and it good. makes me, this is what makes me the saddest. The whole thing is that I think, all right, bomb them. I don't know what else to do. I have no I, idea. And, and I, the fact that I just think that that's okay makes me sad. It, it is gross. <laughs> like, it's terrible. But... I I don't know. I don't know what else you do because if you go they look at the history, they have been fighting yeah. nonstop for. I want them to change years. their attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> don't be bad anymore. Don't have murderous tendencies. And they've already done. They've gotten together so many times. Camp David Accords, whatever else Hundreds they've done. This of years where they've been all right. And then there'll there'll be a break where nothing happens for you know ten years, and then no, it happens. It's just minor and well, on a smaller scale. It's been pretty since they put up the walls and whatever. It's been pretty mild. It's been fairly mild, but then they shot rockets in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and then the Israel which has is a whole other thing with <gasps> the Iron Dome. Guess what? In my research, I found out that they have this laser system. Have you oh, seen the laser? I, I heard that they were deploying it, that they weren't planning on deploying it for a couple of years because they weren't sure it was ready, but they're deploying they're this deploying laser defense this laser. to shoot stuff out of the sky guys, with lasers. It is Star Wars laser. Like, it is a it is a laser that is on the back of this truck, and it costs, uh, what, like $3,000 every time they use it? But the rockets cost like fifteen thousand yeah. dollars or something like that every time they shoot rocket. Which maybe it's crazy because in my head I'm thinking, ching, how ching, much ching, money? Ching, yeah, ching. <laughs> this is one of those. If you get into the tinfoil hat thing, and you're a military industrial complex well, the, uh, person. Biden was like, "How about a hundred billion for Ukraine and Israel?" And I'm like, yeah. "I don't want to fund this war." I was like, "I don't want them to lose. I want there to be peace." I don't want to fund it. Like, I already can't buy bread anymore. <laughs> I don't want my dollar to be worth less. But See, and, and if you get into, and this is where it, it gets into the whole sick sort of thing, is, is the argument is, well, it's going to American companies. You know, we're, we're pumping money into Raytheon. Oh, yes. and Yes, it's you know, true. They actually make that kind of argument during war times all the time. Is they're like, oh, all we're doing is we're going to boost our, Mm -hmm. you know, defensive systems. Which we need to because we're about to head into war with China, maybe. Well, which is interesting. So China's sending people over. China's sending aircraft carriers over to To the Middle East. To defend Israel? Not to defend Israel. Shut up. Want to know my conspiracy theory about this? Oh. Is that China started this. That was my conspiracy theory because they're like, oh, you know what? The fund didn't actually really come from Iran. And I'm like, I bet it came from China. I bet China That's was very, like... very similar to mine. <laughs> because... I was like, oh, my gosh, I bet they're just trying to get everything over this way and everything to, like, distract America and use up American weapons and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, mine my was gosh. A, it's a Russia-China thing. And then oh, my gosh. The... Uh, it could have been a whole lot worse if Russia did better in Ukraine like they thought they were going to yes. do. Is that they, 
this was something that was planned in this when they're so anti-nazi how anti a jew hater is like destroy the jews (laughs) you say (laughs) that that? if you read the hamas charter guess who they call the nazis who the jews how it don't matter like the, the None of this stuff that people are saying is based on truth, but it is literally oh. in their charter that the Israelis are Nazis and that they started World War II. You can go read it. their charter. They say the Jews started World War II. By being alive? And I don't resisting? know. I, they don't, you know, it they wouldn't don't, have happened. They don't talk about any there. specifics. <laughs> there are very few specifics in this document. I read from a Nazi pamphlet. <laughs> That's right. From the, you know, I feel darkest like... corners of Auschwitz, there's a guy planning World Whoa. War II. That, but Could this be the start of World War Three? I honestly think that that, that has crossed my that's mind. my conspiracy if, thing. If China is involved at all. But that's why it surprised me when Saudi Arabia shot down something going into Israel. Is I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Saudi Arabia is not on that side. And, and honestly, uh, what I think is there's a lot of people that don't want to have sides. Like yeah. anybody who's sane doesn't nightmare. want World War Three. It's a nightmare for both sides right now. If you include bigger sides, it's going to be a nightmare for everybody. But yeah, my conspiracy theory thing was that this was a, uh, Russia and China sponsored thing and that what they were hoping was that if you know that Russia had made more advances in the Ukraine that this would trigger a Middle East uh, war essentially where people went to war against Israel and that they would use are you familiar with the term fifth column no so fifth column originates from the uh, Spanish you know Spain's civil war but the idea, there were four, you know, columns go, of army going up against the city, and they're saying, you know, how do you expect to beat the city with four columns? He says the fifth column's already in the city. <gasps> so, look, I got tingles. The fifth column the is, is civilian. So if you uh, go look at say Europe and their situation right now, is imagine how many I don't know Muslim people to. are in oh, Europe. Yes. That's true. They had a hundred thousand people march in London. Do you know how many Jews there are in the entire world? Fifteen million. And, and so, in my head, I just think, imagine if that's the fifth column, and that they were expecting to go, you know, continue through Ukraine and go into Europe. China goes after Taiwan. Do you know how many Muslims there are in the world? But I, I honestly think China is sending their stuff over as simply a. Uh, kind of a show of you guys don't get to dictate how the world works you know there's yeah, other people you know we're we're a power way. as well and i don't be think so that they're funny if their aircraft carrier just started falling apart because of shoddy <laughs> materials oh well, darn it we made this in china <laughs> we we say that but uh guess how many american ships you know what percentage of american ships are falling apart <laughs> like 50? if you guess yeah 50%. if you guess 50 percent, but they're also over 50 years old so at least yeah. they lasted 50 years uh, it's true um and and i told you in one of our podcasts earlier that there was that commander i don't even know his rank in one of the military forces who said if you have a huge navy you then have to take care of a huge navy yeah and if you have a huge air force you then have to upkeep a huge air force and he says it's expensive it's difficult to do 
And if you're not constantly replacing things, because that's also expensive, it's like you end up with old stuff. He's like, we got old stuff. And I was like, if I were in charge militarily, me and my zero experience with anything, <laughs> that's right. I would send the old stuff first with very, very limited anybody near it. Maybe make some robots who can just like be in charge of these things. And then if they get destroyed while we're massively trying to produce new ships. But but what happens, this also freaks me out. And, and just in my uh, preparation for for terrible economy is your economy flips into this weird zone and in a war where sure you might be making money but you also are going to have supply chain issues especially now where the United States relies on so many international goods but I'm like you're going to have to pay so much money you're going to have to lose so many services because the money's going to have to go towards the war and Life's gonna change. Yeah, it would mm-hmm. be it would be really interesting. And we because have wussy people who are in their twenties, which is absolutely terrifying. If you go back <laughs> into like World War Two era, you know, it's it basically everybody who's not fighting. You had uh, what's her name, Susie, uh, Susie the R- Riveter, Rosie, Rosie the Riveter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you got to you get everybody. Don't just think I wouldn't. I'd be pumping out those airplanes like. <laughs> and it would just be a totally different thing than what we have now, where we're paying so people to us. drive our, you know, hamburger five oh miles. God. I hate having to go get my own hamburger. <laughs> well, I sit in my car and stick my hand out the window. So I instead of having when a, other people walk it to my door, yeah, hamburger chauffeurs <laughs> would have to have factory on the workers. Step. I don't want to interact with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it costs so much money. There was this guy. Let me try and think of where I met him. I can't remember. He is a. I don't know if he's a delivery person or he works at Home Depot. I can't remember where I was, but he just has this low-level job somewhere. And my husband and I get to talking to him just for whatever reason. And he was like, oh, this is my second job. And he's like, oh, what's your other job? And he gets talking and he's like, well, yeah, I had to get a second job because my son orders too much DoorDash. And I was like, shut up. Just make your kid not have DoorDash. Are you insane? Make your kid get a job. I can't understand some of that, but I have uh, uh, friends whose kids do the DoorDash thing. I mean, oh, they yeah. pay for so it, but expensive. they're like, save your money up. Save your freaking money. Make a quesadilla Don't you on ever want to leave the house? You know, like quit buying, uh, quit paying $20 to, so that you can have lunch These are the kind of conversations you. that come out of the Hamas-Israel war. Yeah. Quesadilla for dinner. <laughs> You crazy fool. <laughs> right. Because of economies. Oh, man. I just, I, I'm a doomsdayer. I always think the worst case scenario first. But when you confirmed my potential China tinfoil hat theory, I just got more panicked again. So See, I'm going to be really fun to be around for a while. <laughs> it's probably not good because you know that I'm, you know, on the tinfoil hat level, I'm, I'm not, you know. I'm not highest up there, but <laughs> I keep my mind open that anything's a possibility. But in my head, I just think this was definitely a coordinated thing. Yeah. Like this wasn't just it a was reaction. Hidden in a way that they've never been able to hide it before. I mean, they and had that, paragliders. They had paragliders. They had 
they had more weapons than they even knew. And I'm like, how'd you get those in? Because they know they all your other ways. They had thousands of people coordinating mm-hmm. to get this done. And who knows how much, you know, they they, they said like 2,000 rockets the first day that oh, they yeah. sent in. So how would you get those? Yeah, how are you getting two thousand rockets? Mm-hmm. Somebody is is sending these rockets. And I had thought it was Iran because I know that and Biden messed up that thing and gave that was Iran a, big a bunch thing of where... money. But they haven't gotten it yet. So that money what didn't go to it? Now they might have given them other money, of course. Yeah, but and they don't necessarily need you know that money. Yeah. Yes. So it could have been you know something else. But I was like, if you look. Oh, Look up really fast. Is Iran in the future BRICS stuff? Uh, probably. Because I was like, hmm. Yeah. Iran so. stands to benefit from a future inclusion in BRICS. And that is why I was like, I'm sorry. Look, BRICS group invites new nations, including Iran. They are supposed to be part of BRICS Next coming year. up. That's why when Saudi Arabia is shot down, one of their things, I was like, what's happening? Because it didn't fit in my own brain's narrative. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because I think they tried to pull, this is my tinfoil hat, everybody. I think they tried to pull America and the, uh, what you would call Western like states. NATO states. Yeah, NATO states in when they went into Ukraine. Because Ukraine was almost going to be in NATO. So I think they were like, oh, well, we'll just defend them anyway kind of a thing. And they were trying to pull them in. And when that didn't work, I think they started having the conflict in Hong Kong. And then there was a time in the last week or so where a Chinese vessel bonked into an American vessel. And then two days ago, a Chinese Air Force plane like went right up to an American Air Force plane and then did like a maneuver that made like the air currents mess up and then it messed up. And I was like, you guys, like, I, <laughs> I hope we're the bear in this situation. And if you are poking us, I will, I hope we bite your face off. Ah, uh, like I, ooh, but it, you can't help but think that this is all some big coordinated situation. I, oh, ooh, new limb on my conspiracy theory tree. Putin went and talked to Kim Jong-un. Who's the young one? I think, I think Kim Jong. We'll know when the war That's comes. Right. <laughs> and then I wonder if he helped coordinate that. There. That's my new branch. Is that <laughs> it went from President Z to Vladimir Putin to Kim Jong and then to, to Hamas. Hamas. And that is how people were like, I didn't even think to check the North Korean frequency. Like, I didn't even think to check the North Korean guy with, like, a ton of rockets on his backpack. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh. Jeez. Yeah, we went but off the rails a little bit. We did. We did, but I can't help it because sometimes that's the fun part. <laughs> it is actually kind of fun. But I did also learn that um, Hamas had dismantled much of their water pipes in their city yeah. to make some of those rockets. That was one of the so, things that I was going to say when you were mm-hmm. saying that the Gaza Strip doesn't have any water. It actually has its own aquifer under the land, but oh. they don't. They don't, they don't use dip it. into it because of they used all those pipes to make rockets. And the, somebody was saying because they took all their pipes mm-hmm. and turned them into rocket tubes. And one last thing, because I can't help myself, there was an issue where a rocket exploded near the hospital, and then Hamas was like. 
oh, Israel hit our hospital and it killed 500 people. And then they show the video and it's like four cars are burnt out. And are the um, weaponry that Israel has will leave a 12 foot hole or 20 feet. And it's got like this half a foot hole. <laughs> See, and that's where I, I think the the intent of the attacks is not, they know they can't take Israel down. What they're yeah. trying to do is get the sympathy and get other people into the fight. But I do have and to so say, that's why, if I blew up my own hospital cars, I would be like, it was them. <laughs> oh, it's going to get way worse. I'll bet you the... You can't trust anybody anymore. You just have to realize you're you're getting nothing but fake information from everyone. Don't trust anyone. No. Nope. Probably especially us. But... Start a garden, too, just in case. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks for joining us and, and wandering through this quagmire with us. All right. See you. Bye.